Hey, this is Jordan Sutton, pastor at Clearpath Church. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We appreciate you listening. A little about our community. We love to come together. We love to come to the Lord's table together. Uh, We're a community trying to be led by the Spirit, just walking through Scripture together, walking through life together. If this message is an encouragement to you, bring some hope to your life at the end of the sermon. There'll be a little bit of information about how you can get in touch with us. Stay tuned and thanks for joining. Give me a shout if you're thankful. Jesus is alive. releasing this because I have faith for this. A couple years ago, I decided to ignore that it was hot. <laughs> because you live in Texas. Um, by a couple of statistical uh, measurements as a whole, I think we have the hottest state in the United States. And um, listen, just embrace it. Like, you're in 110. It's going to be that way every summer. And uh, I, uh, if you, I'm telling you this. This is I'm, this is a release of faith for you right now. Um, if you if you just ignore the heat and embrace it, it changes your outlook on it. I'm just like, yes, this is a sauna that I don't have to pay for. And uh, so, I don't know. I was I was out. Uh, I, I took a little bike ride yesterday at about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, sun was directly overhead, just, and I was just free sauna all day. And uh, so, yes. Anyway, we are going to talk about all schedule. I'll throw this over here. Uh, we're going to talk about the fall schedule and vision for fall, along with giving you a financial update on the building this morning. Um, in addition to fall schedule, vision, financial update on the building, I'm also going to be doing a financial overview that will be a little bit of a deeper look into the financials of the church that I, we will release on, on video. Uh, and you'll get text access to do that. We will try our best to get uh, to text that out to all the people who are regular um, tenders here, we, we felt like it was best to not do that on Sunday morning um, because there's some in-depthness to that. And so we will, that'll be released this week um, as well. Tuesday, I think is the day we're releasing that. And um, so, but we, we do have a little bit of vision for fall before I want to share on the building. Um, I'm, man, I'm grateful for fall. All kidding aside about the heat, it'll be fun. Um, we have a few things. If you could roll this first slide up. Number of things that are happening this fall that we want to talk to you about. Um, I know this is small print, so I'll, I'll cover all of it. Um, a couple weeks ago, well, a couple months ago, the Lord spoke to me about doing a series that I want to call Holy. And 
I, I would say that this, year, this series has been shaping for me in my thought with the Lord over the last five to ten years of pastoring. And what I've seen is that our culture has shifted on a lot of things. And, you know, whether we talk about um, the way that technology is affecting our culture, the way that... Uh, the change of, of understanding of sexuality has, has affected our culture. There's a lot of things that have changed in the last decade or two and more in our culture. And it's important to understand that I had a friend one time, um, the, is a business friend who said that, you know, history does not repeat, it rhymes. And I think that that's an accurate understanding that history is actually like, it's not that we repeat the same things, but it rhymes. And, but the thing that's unique about the time of history that we live in is that technology has allowed for the acceleration of change of culture in a way that we've, we've never seen before. And I, I won't get into all of this, but if you look at over the story of human history as we know it, to, there are one of the major things that shapes culture is the way that information is shared. And so there was a point where we started writing things down on scrolls. There was a point where we started writing things down on paper that we made books with that made information more shareable. There was a point that we had this thing called the printing press. And all these different, you know, going into the modern age, all these different things have accelerated the transformation of information between people and have also accelerated changes in culture. Does this make sense? And so with the internet, we, we have had a, had a shift in culture that covers a really huge number of things. And it has left Christians, I feel like, a bit um, lost and unequipped as to how to be, how to just to be in the culture that we live in. And like... How do you like? How do you love people and walk in a world where people are going to believe something different than you, who are going to think differently, differently than you? And so I think that it's more than ever a time where we learn how we are called to be holy within a world that is not always holy. And I think that's a really important distinction to make because because every moment. And every uh, person's life has the opportunity to have sacredness or holiness manifest through it. But not everything that happens in this world is holy. Uh, does this make sense? Not everything is holy. Although everything has the, every person has the opportunity to participate in God's holy and sacred plan. It's like, it's kind of a paradox that like every moment can be holy. Um, but not every moment is. If you, if you spend any length of time in ministry, you're going to sit with people in their suffering and their pain, and you're going to find out that people do things to other people that are not holy. And so I, I, I felt like I really thought about this, some of these topics, um, for, for a long time. It will cover just a range of cultural topics and how we are called to be within this world. Um, I thought about this for many years, and people have said, hey, we need to do a series on this, and I've been hesitant to do a series because I didn't necessarily feel like the Lord had brought me to a place where I felt confident to be able to share with you thoughts based on 
based on scripture and experience and 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 I and I feel like not that we have the edge on that, but I feel like God it's just, it's the timing for that. So I'm going to do this series called Holy, and it's not going to happen every week. I'm going to it's probably going to be an ongoing where sometimes we design series with like a beginning and an end um, that lasts for a certain period of time. I'm going to be picking up this conversation um, probably into 2024, and so uh, yes. That's, I'm excited about it. Um, the next thing um, is that Zane is going to do a three-week series on the Sermon on the Mount, um, and he's probably going to invite people into some memorization of that. And I'm really excited about that. Um, he, he shared it with me. He was like, hey, I've been thinking about this. And I was like, hey, you should just do that as a series. And so, so yes, I'm pumped about that. We have a couple of people that are going to be speaking, and I want to, like, Mark your dates for this. September 17th, we're going to have Joe Knidick from Care Portal. Founded Care Portal, I think, probably a decade ago at this point. And I think that at this point, um, how many of you have heard us make an announcement about Care Portal? Or you've seen one of our response to a Care Portal need? Um, at this point, Care Portal has responded to 200,000 needs of families. And um, they, they have um, recently, from an organization that we know, been given a, I think it's a $35 million grant to be able to keep building and scaling and to, to leverage this as an opportunity to mobilize the church to meet needs all across the country. I, I've totally just blown away by, like, they, these guys were pitched by the state of California and the state of New York to, for them to pay to to utilize their system, and they said we can't. We the own, uh, we will do whatever you want. Our one thing that is our conviction is it's the church that has to meet the need, because when the church enters into a relationship with somebody, that's what changes lives. Right. Right. And um, Joe is, um, you know, he's unique. He's a unique dude. I see him at some of these places where there's a lot of these extremely influential people. He was he was a uh, litigator by by trade and then felt the Lord call him to serve the poor and so I just promise you you don't want to miss September 17th it's really a privilege that we're having him come he normally speaks in much much more uh, large settings so so don't miss that uh, ladies Bible study night Susanna give a wave to everybody uh, Thursday nights at clear path at 7 p.m. we will be doing Bible study and that starts September 7th. I'm confused. It's, it should be September 7th at 7 p.m. So, so make note of that. September 7th at 7 p.m. That will be Words with God by Addison Bevere. Is, is that really related? Daughter? Son. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, the last little mention that we're going to do is Shabbat dinner groups. You're like, what is that word? Shabbat is a, it's a Jewish word um, that on Friday nights um, Jews come together and they have family and community around to be able to celebrate um, with a meal at the end of the week. We're going to be trying this this year. Our goal, so just this is, this is going to require some response from you. Our goal is for seven weeks of Shabbat groups, which the goal of Shabbat groups, which are different than house church in fall, or in spring, when we do house church, we go deep into the Lenten story up to Easter, 
through to Pentecost, there's a study of Scripture and an exposure to the story. In the Shabbat groups, we won't do that. What our goal is, is to bring people together around a meal and to pray together and to pray with each other. And so here, here's the thing we need. We want to have two groups, but we want them to be like one that's kind of closer to Dallas and one that's kind of further east towards the suburbs. But we need, we want to have different people host every week in their home. And so I have a sign-up sheet in the back of the room that if you would like to host a dinner one night, you're not committing one or two nights, you're not committing to the whole time, you can sign up to host and we'll work out, we're still working out the details of that. But our goal is for this to be more casual and more communal and less like in springtime, which we'll come back to this in springtime, we will go more into digging into the story and the scripture for the week. Does that make sense? So we're really excited about that. Um, please sign up today. Um, okay. So, so to the, to the, uh, to the building, is there like a, just a blank slide that's next? Okay. You can go to that blank slide. And we, uh, <laughs> we have, uh, everybody, uh, we shared this this last week, but we have bought the building and we are, we are moving forward with renovation. And, but I want to say this, that I believe that God is the one who is planting us. Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah 61, just a minute. How many of you have been with us at some point on Wednesday in prayer or some prayer where we prayed through Isaiah 61 this year? It's been a theme for us. We've been praying through Isaiah 61. And I want to read to you um, the first three verses. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has not anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil for joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they will be called trees of righteousness. Another translation says oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Um, Isaiah wrote this prophecy in a time that went ahead of, how many of you were here last week? I talked briefly about the you know, Babylonian conquest and, and exile of Israel. But Isaiah actually wrote this prophecy in advance of all those negative things happening. And the prophecy uh, is a poetic word that is written. And I love what the, the Bible Project commentary has to say here, is that it's a poetic picture, a, picture, a poetic picture of God making wrong things right. God restoring things. But it's, it's an interesting word for Isaiah to give because Israel wasn't in the best of places, but they weren't in the worst of places when Isaiah was prophesying in terms of, they were rebelling against the Lord, but in terms of, uh, they, they hadn't been exiled or you know, conquered. It's just this prophetic word that's a poetic picture of God making wrong things right. So fast forward almost a thousand years, and Jesus 
comes into the synagogue. We see this in Luke chapter 4. And after the time of Ezra, they, the Jews made a point that they would read, they would read scriptures, they would read, they would open the Torah scroll and they would read it in the synagogue. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is handed a scroll and he begins to read from Isaiah 61. He reads the very first part of that verse and then he finishes with this statement. He said, this is fulfilled now in your hearing. And he sits down. And at first, it seems to be in the scripture that everyone is in awe of the way he speaks. But as he continues, to, as he continues everybody is, a, is offended in this sort of act where he's like essential, essentially proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. But I want you to see this. It's a really, really important thing is that Jesus took this scripture and he proclaimed it. He read it um, as an example, as a pinpoint of what his ministry would be like. And so when you read Isaiah 61, you need, you need to think that this is the ministry of Jesus written in text, that he has come to proclaim liberty. He's proclaimed good work to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to comfort those who mourn, all these things that we read and we pray. This is like that Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And so I think for us as Christians, while, while Isaiah didn't write this directly to us, it's a poetic picture of how God invites us into the process of his redemptive work of making wrong things right. Everybody say amen to that? And, and so... But I want to highlight one specific verse this morning that's important it, to me. And it says that they will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The planting of the Lord. At the end of the verse 11, it re, it, there's something else that's similar. It says, for as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things to grow that are sown in the spring... So the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. In my opinion, in my estimation, there are two ways that you can live life. You can live life being the planting of the Lord, or you can live life based on your own ability to plan and flourish. This is actually, if you look at the beginning of Genesis, this is actually the story of every, of every uh, story in Genesis. In Genesis, in Genesis 3, um, man is deceived into believing that he can follow a plan of his own accord and find flourishing. When Cain and Abel, um, one of them offers a sacrifice that's acceptable and one of them offers one that is unacceptable. When Noah... When God tells Noah to build an ark, did it make any sense for him to build the ark? Could anyone have planned for a giant flood to fill the earth? No. When God um, dismantled what was happening at, Tower, at the Tower of Babel, it's another story, once again, of man believing that his plan will lead to flourishing. And I'm, I want to tell you, and make this so clear, and 
your mind that there are two ways you can live life. You can live life believing that it's your planning that brings flourishing or God's planting of you that brings flourishing. There's, those, those are the two routes. And this is what John 15, 4 through 5 says. It says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. What are you? Are you a branch? Can you bear fruit of itself? Can you bear fruit by yourself? Of course not. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I love this one. Everybody just hear this last part. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. So how much does your planning amount of without God? It's nothing. It's nothing. And so I just, I realize that I'm, I'm, I'm either partnering in my life with the ways that seem right to the man or I'm partnering with God's planting of my, of my soul. And I want to do the latter. Andrea, spent, Andrea and I spent some years trying to discover and articulate a statement for our family that would that we were trying to live by and wanted to continue to live by. And we spent probably two or three years praying about this. And we came to the conclusion that our simple phrase as a family, which we drew from Romans 8, that we wanted to live by, is to be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. And what that meant for us was an awareness that God is always leading and guiding us. If you think that he's not leading and guiding you, Sometimes God is leading and guiding you and you're not even conscious of it. Like, you're not even aware of what he's doing. And secondly, that we want to have a desire, or we do have a desire, to be willing to partner with him in whatever he was doing. We, don't, we didn't want to build life based on our plans. We want to build life based on his planting. And honestly... It's probably one of the decisions that I made really early in life, either consciously or unconsciously, that whatever was going to happen in my life, whatever fruit, whatever good thing, whatever bad thing, whatever suffering, like that I wanted that to be happen, to happen with an attempt of being led by the Spirit. Like if I'm going to live or fail in my life, it's going to be living or failing following the Holy Spirit. And at some point, I don't know, that just, that just became a conviction in us. And I, that's the way we've tried to lead the church. And that's the way we've tried to do everything we did. I, I, I grabbed this this morning, um, and it's my papa's handkerchief who passed away this last year. And I grabbed it because when we were closing we were selling their home. Um, there were, you know, there were, they were like, what do you want to get? How many of you have ever been in this moment where somebody has passed away and you're going to their house and you're trying to figure out? It's so overwhelming. Like, you go there and you're like, I don't know. Like, how do I, how do I grab something that, you know, reminds me of somebody who's meant so much to me? And right before I walked out, I grabbed seven of these handkerchiefs because he used to wipe the snot off my nose with them. And the sweat off his brow, too. Maybe not both at the same time. But 
Um, I grabbed a bunch of them because I wanted to remember the way he lived. I wanted to remember the way that he followed the Lord. And this was like just a really good reminder that occasionally I throw them in my pocket to remind myself of how my papa followed Jesus. And I thought about this yesterday before I wanted to share this with you. This is like if there's any legacy that I want for, for myself, my family, and for this church, it's that we're willing to be led by the Spirit. Or at least that we're willing to attempt be, to be led by the Spirit. Sometimes being led by the Spirit is our attempting to be led by the Spirit. I don't know what else to say other than that. I just, I believe that that's the way that God leads us. And sometimes being led by the Spirit is prayer, sometimes it's dreams, sometimes it's a lot of godly counsel, sometimes it's coincidences, God, sometimes it's God laying things up before you. But what I can tell you is that it's, it's, it's always being led by Him. And what I, from failure and from experience, what I feel like the Lord has shown me is that he has taken me into a widening of how the Spirit leads. Like sometimes we have a narrow understanding, like God has to give us a word that's exactly from Him or whatever it is. But the Lord, I would say that I've realized more and more that being led by the Spirit is a communal experience. How many of you have, have gotten words from other people or at least counsel that altered your future? Like I have got, I've gotten, and I, and I just realized that that is the way we're called to live. Um, when I reflect back on how we started the church, uh, I went to my parents. I went to my mentor at the time, um, Bob Mason. We went to uh, our youth pastor and our pastor. And we, we went to all these people who had been spiritual authorities in our life. And we said, listen, we're 22 years old. And we feel like we're supposed to plant a church. What do you think about that? And everybody prayed about it, and everybody was like, we feel like you're supposed to plant a church, which doesn't make a lot of sense, right? And, and we, we pursued this, this godly counsel, and I just I realized that like sometimes God invites us into things that are faith steps, but usually, not always, usually, there's confirmation when things are major face steps. Amen? Yeah. And what I could say is about this building is of any decision we've made since starting, the most unity I have felt, and we've pursued asking people like, okay, what do you think? The most unity I have, I have felt has been on this, on this particular decision. And what I believe that the Lord was telling me about that is that I believe that the Lord wants to invite this whole body into that unity. I think that everybody is excited about it or nervous about it or whatever, you, wherever you feel. But I, my, one of my biggest hopes is that as we move towards this new space, that we will, that God will unify this body and that he will bring us all on the journey. And, and so that's my prayer personally, is that God would bring you on the journey. And there are many ways that you step into that unity. 
You step into this unity by showing up on Sunday, by helping. Um, but one of the most significant ways is, is through finances. And so I am, as I promised you, this will not occupy our church. We will not have a financial update for you every week. But we are going to ask people to partner financially. And I believe that it's going to release something supernatural in the body in the way that we're partnering. And so I just, um, I want to give you a scripture that has really shaped my understanding about giving financially. The truth is, is that my, that my uh, understanding of how we partner with God in faith with finances has been shaped by my grandparents' demonstration of generosity and my parents' demonstration of generosity of generosity. I'll talk about that for a second, but let me return to you from 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8. It says, but this, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Hard word. It's the truth, though. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all the grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Amen? Yeah. So, there's two things that when we give a, a financial ask to the church, that I believe deeply from the scripture. The first thing, the first the first thing is, we sow cheerfully in faith. We sow cheerfully in faith. God is, is the one, as we sow cheerfully in faith, he is the one who makes grace and abundance flow, flow towards us and through us. Giving, the way I look at giving financially, is that giving is just us looking to God and saying, if you're calling me to give something, then I... I'm just trusting that you know the end from the beginning and that you're the one who manages my resources. I, I uh, years ago, I heard Robert Morris make this statement to men and he, he felt the Lord told him one morning that there were men who believed wrongfully that God had made them to be a provider. And he said, God has not made you to be a provider. He's made you to be a steward. God is the one who brings provision. We're the ones who respond in labor and obedience. And we steward what he has given with faith and prudence and wisdom. And I don't, like, it's not my responsibility to be the provider for the family or the provider for this church. My responsibility is to be obedient and to steward what God has put in front of me. Some people need to hear that word that Robert spoke years ago. But I, I really believe that God is going to release something supernaturally as, as we give in this body. He's inviting us. Um, the thing that I got to see from my parents and my grandparents was I watched them sow in times where they did not have anything. I, I, I always tell people this. When they look at my dad and his success, 
It's like, I knew him when he didn't have a bunch of money. And I watched them give money that they barely had. And I watched my grandparents do the same. I could tell you, this is like, as I was thinking about my grandparents this morning, I probably had 30 voicemails on my phone for my papa calling to say, do you guys have enough money? We need to, we feel like the Lord needs, you know, wants to help you through us. And so, but I just, I, I watched people sow, not just because they thought it was the right thing to do, but they thought it was the faith thing to do. And I think there is a key of us, of us bringing faith into our giving. The second thing I believe is that every person must give out of the leading of the Spirit. You cannot give out of coercion. You cannot give, like I'm giving you a picture, I'm about to give you a picture of what we need to do as a community or what I believe God's leading us to, 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 to flourish financially, but you should not feel any pressure from me. You should feel no coercion because we're not going to play that game because that's not the game that God plays. God says, let every person give as the Spirit has been put in their heart to give. And I just, uh, I don't know, I just, I believe that. I, let me tell you the, the, the transparent thought real quick. I was sharing with Zane that I was getting pre prepared to share the financial update. And Zane said, can I give you a critique for a second? And Zane doesn't give like a lot of critiques to me. I was like, sure, what do you got? He said, every time you talk about finances in the church, it's like you awkwardly look around. He said, it's like you are uncomfortable, and when you get uncomfortable, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and I was like, that's because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm afraid that asking something will make you think that my intentions are different than they really are. I was flying back in an airplane and I'm meeting with all these people and the Lord spoke to me on the, on the airplane. He said, he said, I'm going to give you grace over your life to raise funds. And I knew that it wasn't just for this moment. I heard the Lord say, I'm going to give grace over your life to raise funds for the kingdom. And so I'm telling you this, that this makes me afraid. But my fear is diminishing because I feel faith. So here's my, here's my humble request. Don't judge me. <laughs> Um, and I just want to say this, this last thing. So, and then I'll talk to you about finances. Um, such a tease. Um, this is what I got multi-generationally from my parents and my grandparents, is I got an understanding on finances that was based on faith, not based on doing what they thought the right thing was. Most of my, most of my upbringing, my parents would give over 20% of their money, but there were times 
that they, there were t specific times where they gave, all, gave almost everything that they had. And my grandparents the same. And there's been at least one time where the Lord called Andrew and I to drain our bank accounts and give what we had away for no like crazy purpose, just because we feel like the Lord has us constantly coming back to faith. And so I want to encourage you that I'm not putting any pressure on you, but I am inviting you to, to realize that stewarding finances with God is faith more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? It's faith more than anything. Okay. So, so we, uh, where am I? So we bought the, the building for uh, $738,000, and we have a budget renovation of $1 million that we have. Put that number up there. Oh, there we are. And um, we're going to, when I was uh, a few months ago, before we got into the finances of this building, I felt the Lord just out of the blue tell me, I want you to raise $12,000 a month, and I want you to raise half a million dollars. And I want to tell you this, that I don't think that this is all coming from inside the body. Like the Lord told me, uh, how, some of it's going to come from inside the body, and some of it's going to have to come externally. And it would blow your mind. The people that I'm sitting down to talk about this with, is it's just already meetings on the schedule just blow my mind. And the week, my the way that we did this, as I mentioned, I'll say it again, we got a loan, and that loan will allow us to do this entire renovation without paying a single payment. We will, we will have no payment for eight months. Um, when we enter into the building, we have the option to, um, we have the option for four months to have a reduced payment to allow us to come in at ease, and then, uh, then it'll, it'll come back up to normal. So I'm very, very grateful for that. Um, when my parents said, hey, we want to help the church get in there, they said, we also want to give a $100,000 matching to the first $100,000 that came in. And how many of you heard me tell the story? Within five days of them selling you that, three different people had, had let us know that they were going to be giving money that totaled to $100,000. Just wild miracle to me. And I actually said, oh, you know, I wanted to invite my dad. We are going, I'll tell you this in a second. Talk about this in a second. We're going to do a commitment Sunday to this. We're going to give people time. It's going to be on September 10th. I actually asked my parents to come here. And I want you to understand that everything you've seen here, like the fact that we've had this space, the fact that we've, like, has been because of their generosity. And they, we've, we've been here for the last 14 years. And we built this for free. We stayed in it for free for half the time. And, and God's, they, they, they believe in this church. And so they're going to be here on that day. Um, and specifically, what we're going to do is it's more than a two-year commitment. It's going to be, I'm going to call it a two-year and three-month commitment. Because we're going to ask people to commit um, starting September, entering into October, November, December, and then for the first two years. Now, I want to explain to you what you're actually giving to. 
And I will go into the financials of this. Um, and I want, this is like the why are we doing this? So we are not doing this. We're not asking you to give monthly or individually to just pay bills. So I'll just give you a high level, and you'll see this if you want to go deeper into the financials. As a church, we give a huge percentage of what comes in to benevolence emissions. Over 30% of the dollars that have come in through this house this year have gone to helping needs specifically or something or missions. I've shared that number with a number of pastors, and this is not, this is, everybody's a part of this. This isn't just a Jordan thing, but what I've been told by five or some people is that like the highest they've seen another church operate at is probably 20%. Yeah. If you've sat on church boards, like that's a really high number. If we wanted to just cut down really easy, we could pay this bill right now. That is not what we want to do. What we want to do is go into this community, and this is the, the, what the Lord put in my heart, is that I want us to spend $2,000 a month doing outreach in that community for the first two years, believing that God is planting us there, not just to have a house for this home, but to be on mission to reach this neighborhood. Right. And I have, to give, um, I have to give Daniel Winkowicz some credit. Him and his wife have been here. They moved down here. And I said, Daniel, I feel like the Lord's calling us to be missionaries to this community. Will you, will you help me with this? And this, this uh, week, we walked around praying. We led, Daniel led worship by the church by himself with me and Valerie and Judah. And we prayed and we walked around, drove around this neighborhood. We've committed to praying and walking this neighborhood four days a week for the next eight months while we're waiting for it to come in here. So we're already, like I already know people that are in the neighborhood because we're walking and meeting people and praying for people. And so we believe that God is leading us here. And, and I'm inviting you to give financially, not to bill paying, but to like kingdom building. Like, that's, that's what we give to. That's the way we've always, that's the way we've always given as a church. And so there will be an opportunity to give, and that budget will go towards being able to, yes, to cover some of those bills, but to allow us to invest for the first two years into this community and doing outreach. And we've been, we have been limited since the bank bought this company three years ago, we have not had the opportunity to do outreach, nor did we feel like it was the timing. I know this is hard for people to think about, but I think there is a timing that God has for everything. Like Jesus was, ministry was concealed for 30 years and then revealed in the last three. And so I do believe this is a timing, um, but I believe that God wants us to lean into serving this community. Amen? Yeah. And I, I want to say this thing. I, my brain, like, I can go into strategic mode really quickly. I'm student of business, something I'm interested in, I've been around my whole life, but we're not making this decision or even this request based on a strategic decision. It's a spirit decision. Like, I can give you all the strategic supports why but those aren't the reasons. I want this community's legacy to be we've, we were led by the Spirit in all of our decisions, and there's not any person 
who has diligenced this opportunity more deeply than me to try to figure out every potential flaw, every potential snag, and at some point, we just said, okay, God, you're saying all of our counsel says yes, we're going there, and we believe the Holy Spirit is planting us there. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And honestly, like I said this, there's not ever been a decision we've made where at a leadership level, at an eldership level, at a staff level, at tr asking trusted advisors inside and outside the house, I've, I'm going to go ahead and say there was a unanimous agreement that this was the, this was the right thing to do. Um, I don't know if I can say unanimously, but it's pretty close. And so I want to talk just for a minute about what is, why is the Holy Spirit leading us there? The, the first thing, and I'm going to give you three things, and then I'm going to move, we'll be done with this. But the first thing is that I believe that this will be a home for his presence. We're always going to prioritize his presence in his house. This is going to be a home for his presence. I do believe that this is a season where God is going to call our community deeper into what it means to be a place of continual prayer and seeking after God. I'm not talking about setting up a 24-7 prayer house. But I believe that God is calling us more deeply into depending on his presence. Amen? That's the first thing. The second thing is that I believe that God does want a home for this family. Like, you know, we could stay here for another year. We could make a lateral move somewhere, like at a shopping center, potentially. We, we could try to meet inside of another church building. Honestly, I've looked at every option that there more than I can count to tell you. And... We're not making this decision on that reason. The Lord just drew us into it. But the, it's not like there's 30 other options out here. Um, and so we, we believe this is a home for the family. I talked to Grace about it. And she, Grace is the only church she's ever known. And I was like, how are you going to feel when we leave this place? She's like, I'm going to be really sad. She said, but I'm going to be really happy to move into the new home. And... I just believe that God's going, this is going to be a home. But the third thing, which I touched on, is that I do not believe this is just about this family. I believe that God is calling us as a family, as a family, to be the planting of the Lord in this neighborhood, that his glory would be known by these people. That the good news will be preached to the poor that freedom will be found for the captive, that liberty for the oppressed, that comfort for the mourning. I believe that God is calling us to be a planting. And I think that as we show up, as the Holy Spirit invites us into people's lives who are hurting and needing, we're going to see Jesus show up. The, I've spent spending a few months reading all of Heidi Baker's stuff, and like their number one core value is if you want revival... Go find it amongst the poor. And the Lord like reminded me, this was getting prepared this morning, of the story of Moses. And Moses, when God spoke to him in the burning bush, it says he began to speak to him as he turned aside to look. He waited, the Lord waited to speak until he turned aside to look. As he turned aside to look, the Lord began to speak to him 
And what he spoke to him very quickly was, I have heard, I have seen the oppression of my people, and I have heard their cry. And it occurred to me that, that our coming to this location may be the answer to somebody's prayer. When we, when we stand in the middle of God answering prayers, we stand on holy ground. Like we, we stand in holy ground because God is looking for people who will respond to the needs of those around us. And I, I don't know, I just kind of have this feeling that God taking us south of Interstate 30 is going to be the answer to prayer for some people. Amen? So we started this year um, praying in Isaiah 60, Isaiah 61. And I want to read it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, for the, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild old ruins, they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair grand cities, the desolations of many generations. I, I believe that God is calling us to be a planting of the Lord, to be a part of the rebuilding, the raising up, and the repairing of people's lives. And I want to invite us into prayer. So what we're going to do for the next 21 days, we have 21 days until September 10th, which we will be at Commitment Sunday. And we are going to spend the next 21 days inviting you to pray with us. We are going to host a Friday night prayer. Daniel's going to be helping us lead that. Um, actually at the new building. We're going to host Friday night prayer at 7 o'clock. We're going to worship. We're going to pray over the ground. And for those that want to, we're going to go out into the city and pray and see if there are needs that we can we can meet. Um, I'm going to encourage people to jump on Zoom prayer for these next three weeks. And I'm going to encourage you to come to our Wednesday prayer set. We just, I really feel like the Lord wants to use this time to release prayer in the body. And I, I want to invite you to go on the journey with us. And I, I do believe that it's a faith journey that God is inviting of us. Um, the, the last thing I want to mention is the Lord just brought up this the one of the, it's not obscure, but a random story. I've been thinking about the story of Ananias and how God called him as a prophet, not the one who died. Uh, God called him as a prophet to go to... <laughs> weird. Anyway, God called him as a prophet to go to this man named Saul. And how many of you remember the story of Saul? He was oppressing Christians. And when God called him to go, he said, like, why are you calling me to do that? 
And he ended up feeling led, and he went in the face of potential adversity, <laughs> we'll call it. And um, as he went, God opened the eyes of Saul, who became Paul. Now, I want you to see that that was the most strategic gospel decision that's ever been made in the history of the planet. This guy ended up writing half the New Testament and planted, like, all the churches that, that affected the movement. But it was one step of obedience. It's one spirit-led decision. And there was no way that he could understand the strategy of that moment on this side of the event. And I really believe that if we make an effort in our life of letting the Spirit lead us, um, we will see God's strategy unfold. If we try to use our own agenda to figure things out, we're always going to miss the mark. And I just, I believe that God is leading us. And so, I want to invite you to stand with me real quick. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm inviting you to into this journey of prayer with us. Um, we will make mention of it. We'll, make, we'll text out to remind people. Um, September 10th, we will do a kind of commitment Sunday. Um, but I'm going, to, I'm going to pray over people. If you could open your hands with me, I'm just going to pray over you. God, I pray that you would release faith in finances, Lord. That you would release faith, God. And I pray that this would be a morning and a season that you will unlock dreams, that you will unlock um, new sources of income. God, I pray that problems that people have been in will be solved by you, God. Not because you promise us Ferraris or mansions, God, but you promise us abundance, Lord. And I just speak abundance over every person in this place, God. And I pray that in the face of anything, Lord, no matter what it costs us, I pray that you would give faith to sow into what you're doing, Lord. I pray that you would give faith to sow into what you're doing. That we would not give based on our accounting or our calculus, but we would give based on the faith that you put in us, God. And I pray that you would release it in this place. That you would release faith for finances and that you would release faith right now for this community. And I just want you to extend your hands toward the, towards the south or towards the, uh, towards the west <laughs> with me. God, we just pray over this community, God. We pray over the city of Dallas, Lord, that you would draw the hungry, the hurting, the broken. God, I pray that you would give us as we pray the people that nobody is going after, Lord. Nobody wants. I just I would invite you just to pray with me right now. Oh, oh, Lord. We just pray that you would release peace and promise over people. God, that you would do exactly as Isaiah 61 says, that you will bring those who are hurting and mourning, and you will make them the oaks of righteousness who rebuild, repair, and, and restore ruined cities and devastations, Lord. God, I pray that you would raise us up as a community to go, to go in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode from Clearpath Church in Dallas, Texas. If you'd like more info to visit us on a Sunday morning or to subscribe to our newsletter, 
Check us out at www.clearpathdallas.com. Follow us on Instagram at ClearPathDallas. Thanks for listening. Thank you.